Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Greetings to those who watch below. Today we are going globetrotting, checking out five of the most terrifying places on the face of the planet. But before we strap in, I'd like to say thank you to those who dwell below. An exclusive channel membership you can join by checking out the link in the description box. So thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, Irish Creepypasta Guy, Christina Groves, and Julie B. Also, if you haven't heard already, I'm now on Instagram, so if you want to check out what I'm up to, you can take a look at brimstone underscore below. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel, making sure to hit that notification bell as well. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Paveglia Located near Toledo and Venice, Paveglia is an island that can be compared to the size of the Sheep's Meadow in Central Park, or half of Navy Pier in Chicago, and it is said to be so evil that you'd be hard-pressed to find an Italian willing to set foot on the island. Local fishermen won't even fish in the area surrounding Paveglia, and it was completely off-limits to tourists for many years. Paveglia wasn't always an evil place where unspeakable horrors happened. The island is mentioned in documents dating back to 421, and was a flourishing economic centre with a growing population up until 1378. During the War of Chiogia, the people of Paveglia, called Pavegliotti, were evacuated to Venice. When the war was finally over three years later, Paveglia lay in total devastation, and only a few dozen inhabitants were able to return home. Despite the construction of one of the octagonal fortresses intended to protect the entrances to the Venetian lagoon, Paveglia was abandoned for centuries. It wasn't until the plague hit Venice, and even killed the doge Giovanni Mocenigo, the head of state, that the idea of a plague island came about. The Venetians wanted to isolate the infected and curb the spread of disease. There were actually other plague islands in the lagoon. Lazaretto Vecchio has been thoroughly explored, and it's estimated around 500 people died per day there. Archaeologists have studied the skeletons, and the remains belong to men, women, and children. It is thought that around one. Th it is thought that around 160,000 people died on Paveglia, but the island hasn't been fully investigated like Lazaretto Vecchio has. Being on the island was a sure death sentence, and the people often went kicking and screaming, knowing they would live out their last days 
in a literal hell on earth. Some say that the soil is mostly made up of ash from the burned victims. After Paveglia was used to quarantine anybody exhibiting signs of the plague, Napoleon used it to store weapons. He also had a 12th century church destroyed and the church's bell tower was converted into a lighthouse. Eventually Napoleon's enemies discovered he was storing weapons on the island and many battles took place on it, claiming even more lives. A mental hospital was opened on Paveglia in 1922. The mental hospital's existence is confirmed by the sign that reads Reparto Psychiatria and remains affixed to the derelict building to this day. The rest of the events that occurred here, as told by the locals, read more like a figment of Hollywood's imagination. The patients, already considered to have lost their mind, regularly reported seeing the ghosts of plague victims and said that they were kept up at night from the screams of the tortured souls. Their claims were ignored. As if not already strange enough, the doctor at the mental hospital decided to try and find a cure for insanity by performing lobotomies on the patients. The tales say that he used cruel methods to perform the lobotomies, such as using hand drills. Some of these odd machines can still be seen in the rooms of the hospital today. It's also said that a number of patients were taken to the bell tower where they were subjected to a special kind of torture. We'll never know for sure what exactly occurred there because the doctor eventually threw himself from the bell tower claiming just before that the patients had driven him mad. A nurse is said to have witnessed the whole event, but it is unclear whether the doctor did in fact kill himself or whether someone else threw him from the bell tower. In 1968 after the doctor's death, the hospital was closed and the island was once again completely abandoned. Few people have set foot on Paveglia since 1968, as it is completely off limits for visitors. Paranormal shows such as Ghost Adventures and The Scariest Places on Earth have both had permission to visit the island and to film episodes there. The Island of the Dolls Just south of Mexico City, between the canals of Xochimilco, you can find a small island with a sad background that was never intended to be a tourist destination. This island is known as the Island of the Dolls. It is dedicated to the lost soul of a poor girl who met her fate too soon in strange circumstances. The surrounding area has thousands of people, but this small island is home to hundreds of terrifying dolls. Their severed limbs, decapitated heads and blank eyes adorn trees. The dolls on the island can seem threatening even during the bright light of midday, but in the dark they are particularly disturbing. It is said that a girl was found drowned in mysterious circumstances many years ago on the island and that the dolls are possessed by her spirit. Local legend says that the dolls move their heads and arms and even open their eyes. Other witnesses claim that they heard the dolls whispering to each other, while some who were on a boat near the island said the dolls lured them to come down onto the island. Don Julio Santa Barrera was the caretaker of the island. The story goes that Julian found a little girl drowned in mysterious circumstances and he was not able to save her life. Shortly thereafter, Julian saw a floating doll near the canals. Most probably, the doll belonged to the girl. He picked up the doll and hung it on a tree as a way of showing respect and support for the spirit of the girl. 
Julian was apparently haunted by the spirit of the girl and started hanging more dolls in an attempt to please her spirit. He soon realised the dolls themselves were possessed by the spirits of dead children and continued to collect these creepy dolls, hanging them over the entirety of the island. According to those close to him, it was as if Julian was driven by some unseen force that completely changed him. Apparently he had been very marked by the fact that he was not able to save the young girl's life. After 50 years of collecting dolls and hanging them on the island, Julian was found dead. He was found drowned in the same spot where he had supposedly found the girl years before. Highgate Cemetery Highgate has been dubbed the creepiest cemetery in London. Local newspapers in the 1970s caught onto a story that would attract national attention. There was a vampire on the loose in Highgate Cemetery and two men were competing to be the first to catch it. The cemetery in North London was the it place for the resting souls of wealthy Londoners in the 19th century. The graveyard is an impressive landscape of intricate tombstones and gothic busts battling unruly ivy, and an A-list guestbook of permanent residents including Karl Marx and novelist George Eliot. By the end of the Second World War, the cemetery was in need of some serious care. It was run down, making it the perfect filming location for horror movies such as From Beyond the Grave and Taste the Blood of Dracula in the early 70s. But residents were experiencing a horror story of their own. Sightings of a sinister dark figure with blood-red eyes who appeared to glide above the grounds started cropping up in local newspapers. There was no other plausible explanation. It was a vampire. One of the sightings was recounted in a letter written by young wicker enthusiast David Farrant and published in the Hampstead and Highgate Express. Farrant claimed he had seen a tall grey figure floating in the cemetery on Christmas Eve in 1969 and that he had since found foxes in the grounds with their throats slit. As president of the Psychic and Occult Society, it's no surprise that he jumped to paranormal conclusions. Shortly after Farrant's letter was published, a second man, Sean Manchester, was interviewed by the same newspaper for an article titled Does a Vampire Walk in Highgate? Manchester claimed that the figure was in fact a king vampire, a medieval black magician who had practiced magic in Wallachia, the home of Dracula, before being buried in the cemetery. His body, Manchester claimed, had been resurrected by a modern Satanist, and his demonic form now stalked the graveyard at night. Manchester, president of the British Occult Society, self-professed exorcist and vampire slayer, and an alleged bishop of some unknown church, declared that he would be the one to rid the cemetery of the vampire. Farrant hit back, saying that the vampire myth had been blown out of proportion with the unhelpful influence of the media, and that the figure was in fact nothing more than your common garden ghost. In 1970, Manchester published The Highgate Vampire. Farrant came back with his own book, Beyond the Highgate Vampire. Proving that hell hath no fury like a magician scorned, the two developed a feud that continued until David Farrant's death and their antics around the Highgate vampire hysteria attracted the attention of the national press. Stories about the Highgate vampire got so out of control that on Friday, March the 13th, 1970, an ITV special report about it prompted an angry mob to descend on Highgate 
determined to rid their town of the vampire tormenting local residents. Both Manchester and Farrant had been interviewed for the report, with Manchester taunting his rival by announcing that he would be leading a vampire hunt at the cemetery every night. Eager hunters lined the gates and climbed over the walls to witness the event. Despite police efforts to control a mob, several graves were opened and corpses were beheaded and mutilated with spikes, both on that night and on subsequent hunts. Although several hunters claimed to witness the dark figure in the cemetery, the cunning vampire remained unslewn. Farrant and Manchester continued to compete, both claiming they would be the first to find and kill their undead neighbour. In a conclusion straight out of Harry Potter, the two decided to hold a duel to decide once and for all which of the two men was the greater magician and paranormalist. Flyers started to appear in London underground stations advertising the magical duel, which was scheduled for April 13, 1973 on Parliament Hill in Hampstead. Rumours swirled around the media that the two were planning to sacrifice a cat in the presence of naked virgins. When a local man's beloved pet failed to return home one day, Farrant was villainised by the RSPCA and the media for allegedly having beheaded the animal as part of a pagan ritual. The duel never took place, and Farrant was arrested in 1974 next to the cemetery carrying a crucifix and wooden stake. He was convicted of damaging memorials and interfering with the dead remains. With no duel to settle the matter, the feud between Manchester and Farrant carried on throughout the years. The Highgate Vampire was never destroyed. The Bridgewater Triangle Picture this. It's just after midnight and you're driving alone on Route 44 in Rehoboth. Suddenly, a man with red hair and a red flannel shirt leaps in front of your car. You slam on the brakes and brace for a crash, but a crash never happens. You get out of the car and look at the road behind you, but there's nobody there. How strange, you think to yourself. Or maybe it's not. After all, you're in the Bridgewater Triangle. The Triangle is a roughly 200 square mile region bounded loosely by Abington, Freetown and Rehoboth at its points. The Triangle is said to house a who's who of paranormal beings that, like the red-headed hitchhiker, have produced enough tales of spine-tingling encounters to fill a small library. It's a place that locals and long-time visitors will tell you is where the weird is what's normal, where the repulsive is their law, and where the unexplained is almost always part of the explanation. The triangle was drawn up in the 1970s by cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, who was investigating cases of high weirdness in and around the Hockamock Swamp. Since then, the landscapes that make up the Bridgewater Triangle have become some of New England's most famous haunted attractions. A documentary about the triangle premiered in 2013, and FX is currently developing a horror TV series based on the area. Reports out of the triangle include puckwudgies and thunderbirds, pterodactyls, giant snakes, UFOs, Bigfoot, and of course, ghosts. The campus of Bridgewater State University, which lies within the triangle, is said to be haunted. One cryptic spot is Anawan Rock in the Freetown State Forest. It was the site of the capture that led to the end of King Philip's War in 1676. 
ghost fires have been seen near the rock, and people have been pushed by unknown beings there. Many people point to King Philip's War, a conflict between English colonists and Native Americans that is considered the bloodiest war per capita in US history as the spark for the Triangle's haunting. Fighting took place during the 1670s across southern New England. Bridgewater Triangle experts such as Christopher Balzano and Tim Weisberg, host of the radio program Spooky South Coast, say the region's paranormal phenomena are likely caused by the power and energy of the area itself, not just a single event. Whatever is here and whatever comprises the Triangle, it's something that's always been here, Weisberg said. I think all these things that people are looking at, whether it be King Philip's War or what have you, they're all really just symptoms of the Triangle. Weisberg said he's had many unexplained encounters during investigations in and around the area. At War Memorial Park in West Bridgewater, for instance, he's seen shadow people moving through tunnels. For experts, the Triangle is alluring because its stories get people hooked on Massachusetts history. Weisberg describes the Triangle the best. It's like a paranormal Disney world, he says. The Triangle kind of sucks you in and gets under your skin. So it's pretty easy to become obsessed with it. It's pretty easy to become somebody that is constantly being drawn back into it. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Skinwalker Ranch. Some have called it a supernatural hotspot. Others have deemed it cursed. Terry Sherman got so spooked by the happenings on his new cattle ranch that 18 months after moving his family of four to the property, now known as Skinwalker Ranch, in northeastern Utah, he sold the 512-acre parcel away. He and his wife Gwen had shared their chilling experiences with a local reporter in June 1996. They'd seen mysterious crop circles, UFOs, and the systematic and repeated mutilation of their cattle in an oddly surgical and bloodless manner. Within three months of the story's publication, UFO enthusiast and Las Vegas real estate magnate Robert Bigelow bought the property for $200,000. Under the name the National Institute for Discovery Science, Bigelow set up round-the-clock surveillance of the ranch, hoping to get to the bottom of the paranormal claims. But while that surveillance yielded a book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, in which several of the researchers claimed to have seen paranormal activities, they were unable to capture any meaningful physical evidence. The ranch was resold to Adamantium Real Estate which has since applied to trademark the name Skinwalker Ranch. According to Hunt for the Skinwalker, odd objects have been spotted overhead since the first European explorers arrived. In 1776, Franciscan missionary Sylvester Vélez de Escalante wrote about strange fireballs appearing over his campfire in El Rey. And before the Europeans, of course, indigenous peoples occupied the Uinta Basin. Today, Skinwalker Ranch abuts the Uinta and Ouray Indian Reservation of the Ute tribe. Not everything the Shermans saw on their ranch was skyborne UFOs, 
they also claimed to see mysterious animals, most notably a wolf three times the size of a normal wolf that Terry shot at close range multiple times with a rifle to seemingly no effect. Then on the night of March 12, 1997, after the ranch had been sold off, biochemist Colm Kelleher, working with Bigelow, claimed to see a large humanoid creature spying on the research team for a treat. As he detailed in Hunt for the Skinwalker, the creature was approximately 50 yards away, watching the team safely from a tree perch 20 feet off the ground. The large creature that lay motionless, almost casually in the tree, said Kelleher. The only indication of the beast's presence was the penetrating yellow light of the unblinking eyes, as they stared fixably back into the light. After Kelleher fired at the creature with a rifle, it disappeared. It was then that I saw it, a single obvious oval track, about six inches in diameter, embedded deeply in the patch of snow. It looked unusual, a single large print in the snow, with two sharp claws protruding from the rear of the mark, going a couple of inches deeper. It looked almost like a bird of prey, maybe a raptor print, but huge, and from the depth of the print, from a very heavy creature. Repeated sightings of human-like creatures have led to some to invoke the name Skinwalker, a shape-changing character from Navajo tribal folklore. Among the Navajo, Skinwalkers are like werewolves, evil witches who can transform themselves into the creatures of their choosing. But the ranch is 400 miles north of the Navajo Nation. It was next to Ute territory, and when the Utes and Navajo did cross paths, it was an acrimonious relationship. They were not friendly, experts say. The Navajo were a more aggressive people. They took slaves. They had Ute slaves. And there was direct conflict when the Navajo attempted to move up into Ute territory. While skinwalkers don't feature in Ute religion, there are still aspects of the ranch that make sense within the context of Ute law. Other strange sightings have occurred directly next door, at Bottle Hollow, a 420-acre man-made reservoir on Ute land abutting the ranch which was filled with fresh water in 1970 by federal government mandate. In 1998, a police officer saw a large light plunge into the reservoir and then re-emerge, flying off into the night sky. One night in 2002, four young men standing on the reservoir's shoreline saw a blue-white ball enter the artificial lake. According to Hunt for the Skinwalker, the glowing ball dove into the water just a few feet from the shore then re-emerged seconds later in a new form, a shimmering, maneuverable, belt-shaped shaft of light. After performing a brief writhing aerial dance, the belt of light zipped away at a high rate of speed, hugging the ground before disappearing below the top of Skinwalker Ridge. The appearance of the supernatural around Bottle Hollow makes sense with the context of Ute belief. According to Ute beliefs, springs and certain waterways were reservoirs of negative power, there were evil spirits or evil sprites that could rise up out of the water and drag you in. We may never know what haunts Skinwalker Ranch, but it's safe to say that whatever is there is incredibly old and incredibly dark. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like, and as always, please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already making sure to hit that notification bell. So, until next time, sleep tight.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.